0: Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. Uh, today I'm excited because I have with me Abdul Rastagar. Abdul is the author of Up Your Game, which is a brand new book that he just released. Congratulations, Abdul. And it's, it's all about how to ace your marketing interviews. And Abdul is a good market leader in the enterprise software space. And so today I'm going to have him talk a little bit about his experience over the years in terms of both going through the interview process, as well as conducting many interviews. And part of this is the genesis for why he wrote his book, Up Your Game. And there are a lot of MBA students out there who are going through marketing interviews right now. So I think this is pretty timely. So let's just jump in. So, Abdul, first off, thanks for joining me today on the MBA Insider podcast. Why don't you we just start with just tell us a little bit about yourself. This uh, wouldn't be a book about interviews if we didn't ask you with one of the most uh, popular interview questions. So I guess, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Love that I'm here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be able to speak with your audience as well. So I'm a recovering MBA myself, as I think many of our peers are and tend to be in a marketing space. I'm a head of healthcare marketing currently. I've been in the enterprise space for about 15 years, enterprise software space. And the funny thing is when I got out of business school or even into business school, I knew nothing about software and SaaS didn't even exist and I knew nothing about marketing. So it was a big sea change for me at the time and something that maybe we can talk about. And hopefully some of my experiences will help some of your audience as well.
0: Yeah, that's great. So I guess let's just let's start with a little bit of another warm-up question. Why don't you tell us something about yourself that isn't on your LinkedIn profile?
1: Well, there's a lot we could go into there. One thing that a lot of people are surprised about is I used to be an organic chemist. My undergraduate degree was in organic chemistry, and the first few years of my professional career was in medicinal chemistry, so virology and cancer medicines, and business school was really actually a kind of a way for me to get back, and as I saw it as a platform for new opportunities. Uh, I didn't. I had a choice of basically going the Ph.D. route and staying in chemistry, or moving to other options, and, and MBA was the perfect
0: opportunity for me for, for that. That's great. That's really great, and it's definitely the speaks to the value of an MBA in terms of really allowing people to expand their horizons and switch careers. So I'm glad that. I'm glad that it worked out for you. Okay, so let's jump in. The reason I came across you in the first place is because I was on LinkedIn and I saw your Up Your Game video series. Can you talk a little bit more about Up Your Game? How did it get started? What was the inspiration behind it?
1: Yeah, I have to tell you, I love doing Up Your Game because it helps other people. It was actually meant initially when around last spring when everybody was losing their jobs, COVID hit. And I was thinking to myself, goodness, what can I do to help some people? And I I knew a handful of CMOs or VPs of marketing. I thought to myself, what if I put together these three or four or five videos, maybe, of just to give some people some advice on how to approach their marketing interviews. And maybe somebody will watch it and get something out of it, right? And I was going to leave it at that. It was going to be a weekend project. And here I am, 88 episodes into it, 87, 88 episodes into it, and it's going strong.
0: That's great. That's that definitely exciting, as well as a great and useful kind of opportunity to really not only put your expertise to use, but also to certainly help others in the process. I'm curious, knowing that you've done so many of these, What were some of the lessons you learned or insights that you took away from being able to talk to a lot of these senior level marketers?
1: There were so many actually insights, some of them even personal insights for me, things I didn't realize versus other kind of topic area insights as well. One of the insights for me is I didn't realize, I always thought of myself as a really strong networker, and I am and I have been, but I didn't realize what it truly meant to network until I started doing Up Your Game because I needed to expand and find all of these people that I didn't know and get them to you know convince them to come on my show and give me 20 30 minutes of their time uh, and the amount of effort and time that took and now i feel like i'm a master networker so that was one insight and i i looked back at my career those 15 years but i thought i was so, so good at networking and i realized i wasn't at all but the other thing some of the other insights i found from up your game just uh, there are a lot of common challenges hiring managers find marketing hiring challenges find and no one i think no one really put those dots together that a lot of the candidates that we come across are just not very good at interviewing. And I'm not saying they're not good marketers. They're just not very good interviewers and shockingly bad interviewers in many cases. And I didn't realize that was such an issue. And a lot of people didn't realize it until I started having all of these conversations with 80 plus people. And you start to see all these patterns. So,
0: yeah, no, I definitely can see how that, that is true. And I definitely have seen that myself from my own experience I am curious. You mentioned that you felt like you were a pretty good networker, but then this really made you up your game, if you will, when it, when it comes to networking. Could you maybe give an example of what you had to do in order to get a guest on your show that maybe you didn't think you were going to have to do or that you may not have you know really thought about doing networking that kind of way in the past?
1: Yeah, I just reached out to a whole bunch of people on LinkedIn and the success rate. At the end of the day, was actually relatively speaking, if you're talking about the marketing space, it's not that bad. I would get maybe about four or 5% of people that I would CMOs that I would just cold message on LinkedIn and people who had never heard of me before. And I would tell them in LinkedIn, you only get 300 characters to send a message. And those 300 characters had to convince them that I'm not selling them something. Which is what everybody's trying to do, and two that this is worth their time. And I got some fairly big names out of nowhere. That was one thing that was really interesting. That was just, but the the amount of effort that went into that. The other thing that was much more successful is going through my network and finding people who who did you know who did speak on my show and asking them for their contacts. That's been really what's helped push to push this forward.
0: Uh, that's great. I I think that's those are also good lessons for. People out there who are job searchers in terms of trying to think creatively about people within their network where they can continue to build relationships with to hopefully find and land future opportunities. Yeah. One thing that I I did want to ask you about before you talk about the book. So I remember watching a couple episodes myself and one of the things you talked about was this idea of being outcomes focused. And that being like a really important thing, particularly in an interview and really about some people talk about this idea around quantifying the impact, but you say being outcomes focused. And I think in some ways they're, they're similar, but could you talk a little bit more about what that means and and how to go about doing that?
1: Yeah, actually, a lot of that comes from my scientific background. When I was a chemist, my it's interesting as a chemist, the metrics are very clear. The work is really difficult. It's almost impossible to achieve, but the metrics are clear. It's did you stop progression of cancer in that cell using this this drug or this kind of drug? And the answer is either yes or no. And now getting there was almost impossible. On the marketing side, you can do a lot of the activities. Doing the activities is much easier, but knowing what the metrics are seems to be much, much more complicated. And people don't really understand what the metrics should be. So a lot of my thinking originally came from, hey, here are specific metrics and we're not so much focused on leads. We shouldn't be so much focused on leads. Everybody looks at leads and that's a really the low-hanging fruit. But your job as a marketer is not to drive leads. Your job as a marketer is to drive revenue. And people miss that. So that's why I have that entire section in that book about that specific topic.
0: Yeah. And on that, just as a follow-up. So one of the things I often get sometimes when I'm working with folks is this idea that, or they say, look, like, I know what, I I did something and I know it it made an impact because someone told me it did. But it's really hard to quantify. Like I, I, Everyone agreed it was valuable, I invested time in, into it, but it's just really hard to be able to tie it to a specific metric, or it's really hard to prove correlation or causation or something like that. I'm just curious, in those situations, how do you advise someone or how can someone who did something that was impactful maybe think creatively about how to talk about that in a way when maybe there it isn't as obvious as to what specific outcome that really hit that's a
1: it's a wonderful question and a really difficult one uh, to address for i'll give you a perfect example I, I, I one of my sweet spots is value propositions right the messaging behind those and how do you really measure the impact of that it is difficult i actually ironically had a conversation with a cmo about this one recently because how do you measure the impact of value propositions because you can't truly do it directly but there are indirect ways of doing it. Are you is your product being adopted or your service being adopted? You can do an A/B test of before what was the messaging, uh, the uptake of your product or whatever before the messaging. Well, how did it change after that? So you can do those types of correlations. But you're right; some of them are not very straightforward at all. So there's that's where the the idea of the art meeting the science in marketing comes mm-hmm. together.
0: Yeah, and maybe it's just as a follow-up to that. What about, particularly, I think I'm being selfish here, I'm a product marketer. And as a product marketer, a lot of times I work on cross-functional initiatives where when you're working with so many people, sometimes it's not clear who, who moved the needle or, or maybe said a better way, you all moved the needle. Yeah. And so how do you get in there? How do you handle some of those tricky situations where another tricky kind of scenario where it's, okay, you did move the needle, but like, how can I prove that I did something versus the collective success of the team.
1: No, that's another good question. And it comes across all the time, right? I actually, I'm seeing this on a current project right now. Everybody's trying to clamor for making sure that they get credit for moving the needle and you're losing sight of the big picture. That's not not about who gets the credit for that. It's about the the company succeed in in closing those customer deals. And the answer was, yeah. So uh, to some extent you as a team have to stop thinking me and think the team achieved this and, and be able to point back to those
0: wins. Sure. For sure. Okay. So let's jump into the book. What is it about? Why did you decide to write it? Talk to me a little bit more about that whole process.
1: Yeah, the book was, uh, actually, the thought came, the comment came up from somebody, one of my guests was, hey, you know what, you have so many episodes now, and at the time it was like 60s, Have you ever thought about summarizing it all, and I was thinking to myself, that's not a bad thought, that's actually not a bad thought at all, and so I, I put it together, but as I started writing the book, and by the way, I love writing, I'm a big fan of writing, I've always wanted to write my own book, but I didn't want to do one of those business books that's 250 pages long, and at the end you read it, and you're like, I could have read that in a quarter of the it could have said that been said in, in quarter of a time. So I made it a point to have a ch- two chapter book. So that's what this book is about. It's two chapters. And if you were to look at it, it's really skinny and thin, but it's not about the volume of content. It's about the value
0: of the content to me. So
1: that was kind of fun for me.
0: Yeah, sure. No, and I have not seen a physical copy of it yet, but I did read it over the weekend, just the Kindle version, and I thought it was great. And there's a lot of insights in there, particularly for, again, for my audience of MBA students, particularly those who are looking for some some marketing uh, chops to get them through their next interviews. So I want to talk about a few things that kind of stuck out to me in the book. So one thing that stuck out to me that you talked about is that one of the biggest mistakes people make is not preparing. Why is this? Maybe I'm missing something, but this seems like, you know, fairly preventable, right? It's it's not like someone just drops an email on your calendar and says, you have an interview in an hour. You actually have to respond to the email when they say, huh, you have an interview coming and it's going to be this date. Why is not preparing one of the biggest challenges that
1: people I I can only guess about why. My my sense is people are overconfident. They overestimate their abilities. They think, hey, I know what I'm doing. And not when they really don't realize that they don't know what they're doing, or at least during the interview, they don't know what they're doing. And this is not, by the way, this is pretty common even among very senior level people, not just entry level people. It's shocking how unprepared some people come. And this was one of those themes that we talked about earlier that Executive after executive was telling me this is their biggest pet peeve. People come in and they have no clue what the products are or what the web the company does. And and I like I said, I can only guess at it, but if I can give you one piece of advice, right? If you prepare in advance, well prepare, you're already ahead of the game from everybody else. And when I say prepare, and when I go into a job interview, by the time I have my first interview with the hiring manager, I've probably spent fifteen to twenty hours preparing just for that one interview.
0: Yeah, I would say one was first thing I would say is that having been on the other side, of a, as a hiring manager or being on a hiring committee, you can, generally speaking, a lot of times tell who is prepared and who hasn't. Right? The, you know, it does. Yeah. It does. It does stand out. The other thing that I would say, perhaps, maybe, or maybe throughout there is perhaps there might be a little bit of the the Dunning Kruger effect of just. Overestimating to your point, thinking that you got it and that you're fine, yeah. but in reality not really realizing maybe perhaps to the degree that you need to be at, even for even if you are a really smart person, based off the type of questions that they want to ask of you, or just underest- or underestimating how much time it's going to take you.
1: No, absolutely. And there's definitely that element to it. The other thing is that I think a lot of people, they have never gotten feedback on their interview responses. That's in true. That their answers yeah. are really bad or either badly delivered or just not good answers. So that's another area. And there's no kind of true infrastructure for marketers to go to, to get feedback on their interview advice, interview questions or responses. You can get them very generically. You can Google thousands of answers, right? But it's always like that can be applied to a guy at the retail bank versus somebody who's an operations manager there. You They'll give them the same advice. Something that's truly tailored for marketing
0: that speaks the language of marketing is missing. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I think the one thing that does help MBA students a little bit is that particularly with something like internship interviewing, all every MBA student right now is either practicing on their own, practicing with a classmate, or practicing with their specific club. So there, are, fortunately, there are resources for them to be able to get the reps they need, as well as hopefully some positive feedback. And so that is... That is definitely an advantage maybe they have versus if you're just traditionally just as an employee working for a company and you're trying to interview for a job while you're doing your full-time job and maybe don't have as much access to that. So hopefully that helps a little bit. But to your point, the other thing, and I do think that this can be challenging sometimes, you can get all the feedback in the world, but if it's not the right feedback, it may not necessarily move the needle uh, in the way that you want it to. Like if someone gives you bad advice and you take the bad advice and go to the next interview and and regurgitate that forward, it's like, that maybe doesn't necessarily move the needle forward.
1: The advice has to be tailored. And the way you do that is having, getting the advice from somebody who fits that hiring profile perfectly. The closer you can get to that pro- hiring profile, the better
0: you, the advice you're going to get. For sure. In the book, you mentioned a little bit about some great interviews you've had. Maybe give some examples. Could you share maybe for some of the listeners, just either a story or two or an example of where you have had a really great interview and what that looked like? Uh, to our earlier point, really giving some context for people to understand what does good look like.
1: Yeah, so I, I do. There was one individual who I actually put out in the book who impressed me right off the bat. Actually, she connected with me on LinkedIn before the interview even happened, and it wasn't even for one of my positions. I was just a part of the hiring committee. But as soon as I got that connection, got a message saying, "Hey, I'm going to interview with you." I knew right off the bat she had done some research on me, and my next thought was, she's probably done the same thing for. Her. All the other people on the hiring committee, so she's already spending time on it. And when I got on on the Zoom with her and we started chatting, it was instantly obvious that she she had read virtually every article I've ever written and posted on LinkedIn. She had watched most of those video interviews, which was actually helping her prepare for this interview. But the point was, I could tell how much time she had spent on this. And she had also spent so much time learning our products. It was—it felt like having a new employee on board already, and it was very impressive that just the level of knowledge and preparation that she had put in. That—that also tells you that, hey, if we hire this person, they're going to put take that edica- dedication and time into their projects and into their programs.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point you made there at the end too. The interview is as much about doing right and doing well in the interview as it is about exhibiting behaviors that they hope to be able to see. When you actually come and work for them and and have to do the job, and to your point, if someone is going to prepare and going to work hard and be thoughtful, those are the types of you know things that I think a lot of hiring managers would want out of their employees that they end up hiring. Absolutely. So I I think that's a really good point. On that on that notion, I would be curious also to know from you, maybe from your own experience, what's a not so good interview that you've seen, or like. Uh, one that's really bombed out. Uh, I'll tell you, there's lots of those,
1: gosh. There's so many of them. <laughs> a, a very common thread, aside the not from the not preparation. And, and these are people who may have prepared, but they still don't do a good job at interviews. They'll ramble. Everybody yeah. does this. When I say everybody, easily 90% of people, they'll just go. If I, so I've actually done this experiment at times when I just sit there and just say, yeah, or listen, they'll go for 10 minutes without exaggeration on the same question. Yeah. And I don't even know what the question was anymore. And I don't really care anymore at that point either. People le- need to learn to be quiet and to shut up and deliver your information and stop. And this is a particularly acute problem with Americans. It's true for others as well, but Americans, they don't like silence. So they fill the gap, right? They fill the void. You really have to learn what is the interviewer asking and what information do I want to deliver to him or her? Deliver that information, results-based information. You keep your an- answer to under two minutes and just go silent. And it feels uncomfortable, but it, it works. It's effective.
0: Yeah, no. And I think that's a great point. And one of the things that I always think about too, is that I actually don't think you want to tell them everything you want to have, you want, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And, and if, if you don't tell them everything, because if you don't tell them everything, and it's interesting, the next thing that they're going to do is they're going to ask you, what about this? Or what about that? And then it number one, it feels more natural in the flow of a conversation that you would have with someone versus just being an interview. But then it's your chance to expand even further, or go into more detail, or speak in, uh, speak with more context. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Because you're what you're doing is you're you if you're giving them a, a bit of enticing information, but not giving them all of it, which is what you're referring to right now. You're drawing some thinking, critical thinking into the um, interviewer's mind. Oh, that's interesting. I never heard that before. And they start asking, inquiring, and what's happening is they start to see you as more of an expert rather than just a novice sure. candidate that a lot of us come into the first time.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And I think to your earlier point of just people rambling on too long, the other reason why that kills me is because these are for marketing interviews and the whole point (laughs) of a marketer or one of the points of the marketer is to be synced to the point, compelling, direct, etc is doubly frustrating at times, even though certainly I'm not immune to it either.
1: If you think about it in comms or in product marketing, the whole purpose of your role is to succinctly provide value propositions. You can't do that for
0: yourself, how can you do it for the product? Exactly, that's what I tell people too, is that in general, interviewing, and just the job search process is an exercise in product marketing mm, right absolutely and, absolutely except you, know, you are the product and your job is to find your unique value proposition communicate it effectively make sure that it solves a pain that the that your customer aka the company wants and yeah just make it and tell a story make, that, it, that resonates and you know, i always say that trying to land a product marketing role is the ultimate exercise in product marketing yeah. it just so happens that the the product is yourself. Absolutely. One of the other things that you wrote about in the book, and something that I'm biased about, but I would love for you to maybe talk and give your perspective on it, is just this importance of asking questions. Right? Um, mm-hmm. Why? Why is this important? And maybe as a follow up to that, I'm going to presume that it's not just any question, right? And so, why are questions important? And Again, like what does good look like for that? Because it's not, again, it's not just any random question. It, it should be thoughtful and specific, right?
1: Yeah. questions Asking questions actually are critical. Now, personally, when I do an in interview, I always make sure that I give the last minimum last 10 minutes to the candidate to ask any questions they want. There's two reasons you want to, questions are important. One, from your personal perspective, you, you want to know what the culture is. You want to know what that hiring manager is like, right? You have all of these kind of important thing, things that you yourself need to know to assess whether you fit, whether this role is for you or not. The other thing about asking questions, it can really be used uh, as a competitive advantage because most of the questions that are asked are silly benefits related questions. Hey, what kind of computer do I get? What's this benefit here or there? Very low level questions. And it's just a waste of your time. It's a waste of the manager's time. Instead, if you start asking strategic questions that, again, make that hiring manager think, oh, I never thought about that. Or, hey, this person's challenged me about things that I'm not. One hundred percent sure, or they're giving me feedback that I can incorporate. You're showing that uh, you're exhibiting that higher level of thinking, that strategic thinking, that makes the candidate, and the hiring manager, think, "Hey, this might be a good candidate." So it's absolutely, it's a wonderful opportunity for you to differentiate
0: yourself. I think that's a really great point, and I think if anything, it's just a chance to continue to have continue to have a thoughtful conversation, hopefully about a topic you care about. But I think more than that, I think it is a point to remember that. It is your chance to, it really isn't. Sometimes interviews don't feel like a two-way street, but they can be. Yeah. And for if you're stepping into an interview, this is a big decision for you as well. Not taking a chance to, get more insight, to feel more confident about the potential chance that you're taking, I think is definitely a miss.
1: Yeah, there's. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a very specific example. You can do an analysis of somebody's digital strategy in their website on, on right. SEM Rush or whatever, any of the like 50 different pages that you can do it, and then look at a competitors, and then you can get a comparison. And sometimes you'll see certain insights that are like, wow, these guys have no social strategy whatsoever. And that becomes a discussion topic. That becomes one of the questions that you ask is, I noticed this, I did this research, I noticed this, what's the logic behind that? And and what you're doing is you're showing the hiring manager that, hey, you have a higher level of thinking, and you might actually be able to provide some really interesting insights as well, or ideas. The one thing yeah. you don't want to do with questions is ask a question, the hiring manager responds, and you're like, okay, and then you move on to the next question, because then what you want right. is just... Again, showing the exact opposite that you're not really critically thinking, you're just going through a checklist. You want to use these questions to turn
0: it into a discussion. For sure. Uh, Abdul, thank you so much for being here today and for coming on to talk about Up Your Game and and the book. I really appreciate it. Just to close out here, if people want to find you or connect with you, or they want to know more information about the book, where should they go? Where can they find it? Where can they find you?
1: Yeah, clearly on LinkedIn, right? Find me on LinkedIn, send me an invite. I I love getting invites from people on how connecting and let me know who you are and how you heard about me. As far as the book, I, I truly believe in it. It's on Amazon. So go check it out there.
0: Great. Abdul Rastigar, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thank you for having me and good luck to everybody listening in.
0: Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.